He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Well, happy Mother's Day, everybody. And uh, it's a quite a quite a day to celebrate mother and to celebrate the idea of peace and love and harmony which she represents when i find myself in times of trouble mother mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom let it be and in my hour of darkness she is standing right in front of me speaking words of wisdom you know, they used to say that you weren't saying anything in politics if all you did was endorse motherhood and apple pie. <laughs> well, <laughs> apple pie, I don't know, depends on what the Atkins diet says today about what we ought to eat or not eat. But um, motherhood hasn't done too well lately. And uh, it's uh, and it's a shame. It reflects the brutality of our politics. In fact, I think they're going to rename Mother's Day to... Pregnant, formerly pregnant woman. <laughs> that's just wrong. <laughs> because they, that's the uh, that's the official name oh that they're giving God. for women who are pregnant. I want to say Happy Mother's Day to my mother Gloria. Happy Mother's Day, Ma. Happy Mother's Day, Gloria. My mother. <laughs> yep. So this is Doug DePiro, who is with me and Hello, works very hard on the show. Uh, he's an artist. He's a muralist. He um, paints all kinds of neat stuff. And uh, and comes up with neat songs and music and just terrific. This is becoming the Dick and Doug show. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. It's an honor to be here with you, really. Now, when we're <clears throat> talking about uh, Mother's Day, <clears throat> I hate to segue into this, but lost in the debate over abortion is the fact that the Democrats are making a determined, strong push to allow late-term abortions throughout the country. And by late-term abortions, they mean infanticide. They mean taking a child that is perfectly normal and willing to come into this world and eager to do so, and uh, on the way out, kill them. When they say late-term, how how late? They mean an hour before. That's horrible. That's disgusting. Uh, Theoretically, they mean after 40 weeks. And the normal pregnancy period is thirty. How can anyone do weeks, that with a conscience? How could you? And uh, and they and then they when when by mistake a live fetus is born following an abortion, uh, they mean that you can kill it. Oh, you can literally murder it. And uh, this, the extreme of this, is absolutely terrifying. Uh, it's because it really reflects. The idea that that you're just dealing with a collection of cells, you're not dealing with a living thing, yeah. and it completely bypasses any issue of humanity, or or compassion, or love, or anything. It really does. That's horrible. Or even human dignity, and um, the brutalization that comes with uh, a strictly pro-choice policy. Uh, that carries over to late-term abortion. I think 
is uh, is something that that infects our entire society. It leads to um, premature use of euthanasia. Uh, it leads to evil. Uh, leads to evil. All kinds of horrible things, and uh, and the idea that that this uh, fetus exists only for the convenience of the mother, and uh, and if it's inconvenient, it can be killed. Uh, is 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 horrific, and the idea that you can consider a late term abortion legal and not murder and not call it what it is infanticide. Mm. It, you know, the, the right wing has gone extreme in terms of saying that uh, abortion is killing a fetus, and yeah, it is, and killing a baby, and yeah, it is. But this is really killing a baby. I mean, this is like shooting them on the way out. Yeah, right. And, uh, and this is just, just inconceivable. Now, politically, what's going on is that the American people have focused on abortion as an issue for 50 years now. And they know everything about it, and they know all of the ins and outs and all of the different permutations on it. And their opinions are very clear, and they've largely been unchanged over the last 50 years, a little bit more pro-life than they used to be, but not much. And it's very clear. They support a woman's right to choose, provided it is not within a late trimester, um, they support it within the first 15 weeks, certainly, which is what the current Mississippi law that's being upheld provides. They provide, But they also believe that a minor, a child should not, uh, a pregnant girl should not uh, be able to have an abortion without notification and consent from her parent or her guardian. I think that's uh, reasonable. They also believe that we should not have to pay for it, and uh, and the and that's a deeply held view. Uh, in New York State, we always have paid for it, paying picking up the federal share of the payment, with the state and the city paying for the entire thing. But in the vast majority of the country, they don't pay for it. Uh, <clears throat> but when you go into the the debate, the the whole issue of late-term abortion, the issue of parental consent, these are issues that are very important to voters. And just to simply declare them blanket pro-choice or blanket pro-life is a disservice. In fact, what politicians do with abortion is if you are a liberal and and, and, and in favor of uh, pro-choice, you have a whole list of things you know that liberals will oppose, and you can't go into those areas. You can't say that you're for late-term abortion. You can't say that abortion should be just used as a form of birth control. You can't say that it should be paid for by Medicare, Medicaid. You can't say that the issue, uh, that, that it's, it's something that the uh, that is entirely irrelevant to the state. In other words, when they're on board, they're on board. That's it. Yeah, and, and the way the left and the right approach it is they pick at it, and they always take the example that conservatives won't go along with or liberals won't go along with so that there's no consensus. And, the, you know, you take someone who says, I'm, I'm pro-choice, and then the other person comes up, well, what about just routinely as a form of birth control? Uh, what You're about right. late trimester? Uh, 
What about a minor? You can't have a discussion. You can't have a debate in this discussion. Yeah, and and if the other side is also true, if you're pro-life, uh, they say, well, what about rape? Uh, what about incest? Uh, if you're going to, uh, if an abortion is uh, is prohibited, are you going to require the the mother to extend to um, take care of the baby for entire life. He can provide any assistance, any adoption assistance. Uh, the the entire debate is 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 focused on absolute yes or no's, mm. black or white, mm-hmm. which does not comport with the view of the average American. And uh, and as a result, we end up being largely left out of the debate. And uh, and we end up sanctioning tremendous cruelty without really understanding what we're doing. Interesting. Um, reminds me of a song. And in the master's chambers, they gathered for the feast. They stab it with their stealing eyes, but they just can't kill the beast. Not an elegant way to no, describe an abortion clinic, but it's not entirely wrong either. No. Stab it with their steely knives. So horrible. Um, well, let's get off of death. Yeah. And let's get on to a really good subject, which is killing Russian generals. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm the, good with that. The, uh, I was watching the movie The Patriot the other night for the 400th time. It's great. With um, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. And uh, they have this wonderful scene where Cornwallis, the British general, is mad at Gibson and the colonials for targeting British officers, for deliberately shooting officers who are on horseback when they're fighting with infantry. And he says, we can't do that because our armies are so uncivilized. They're basically armed rabble. And uh, if we let gentlemen be killed and they're not able to police their troops and hold them in check, There'll be un- unleashed barbarism on the world. And don't kill the officers. They're, they're the only way we can restrain them and have civilized warfare. Well, that certainly is quaint yeah. and nice. Yeah. But uh, thank God the Ukrainians are not following those rules. Oh God. They understand that there really is no middle management in the Russian army. Mm. You're either uh, a general or you're a, a conscript. And the middle management, the non-coms, the lower-level officers, who are the mainstay of the American army and of NATO forces, don't have counterparts in the Ukrainian, in the Russian army. So the, so when you target generals, it's a decapitation strike. Mm. It's stopping the uh, Russians and the Ukrainians, the Russians from being able to function, being able to maneuver. So U.S. Intel has been providing Ukraine with very specific data about the location at any given instance of many of the top Russian generals. And this is, you know, very much like we go out killing terrorists. We know where they are all the time. And when when they're driving in a car on their way to a wedding, a cruise missile comes and obliterates them. Oh, jeez. And that's a very effective tactic. Uh, in the war on terror, but it also is a very effective tactic in dealing with a totalitarian army like the Red Army. 
because if you kill their generals, not was, so well-read army. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, if you kill their generals, you make it, you make them unable to be led, unable to be maneuvered, unable to really fight. So, killing the Russian generals is having a very bad effect. <laughs> Killing me softly with a cruise missile. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Yeah. All spare. I'm not, not sure that that's real soft. Yeah. But in the meantime, it's driving Putin crazy because it's a vicious cycle. The more of the generals we kill, the less they're able to, the less there's any command structure in the army at all. And the generals, have, more generals have to go to the front, have to be in the direct line of command because the middle-level officers are incompetent and the other generals are dead. So the number of generals getting killed is increasing dramatically. How many about, you know? Uh, I don't know, but at one point it was about 50 or 60. Wow. Uh, but a lot. Uh-huh. And uh, and it's really hampering the Russian war effort and showing an enormous vulnerability that really we had not suspected. As I watch the war in the Ukraine evolve, I am so struck <laughs> by how good the American military is, how competent it is, how incredibly effective. Uh, I grew up in the Vietnam era, and I'm used to the idea of a bumbling, ineffective American military. But not now, boy. These guys know just what they're doing, and they're top-level professionals. And it's very good to see them fight, and particularly good, that a force this efficient, this aggressive, this well-disciplined and well-trained, is unambiguously committed to the side of fighting for human freedom. And it is so nice that this this entity that is so powerful and so strong and could do such evil if they were on the other side or on our side mm. and fighting for the freedom of man. God bless them. And uh, bless our military, bless those who helped develop it to the point that it's at now. Mm. Incredible. Talk Radio 77. WABC. He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. As I watched the primary fights evolve around the country, particularly the one that we had last week in Ohio and the one that uh, Trump spoke about this week in Pennsylvania that's the vote is going to be in about 10 days. There's a story that nobody is writing and everybody in politics is talking about. Uh, if you talk to any politician in the first 20 minutes, first five minutes, this topic will come up, but you can listen all day and all night on the media and nobody mentions it. These are not primary fights between two men or men and women running for office. These are proxy fights in which the forces of Donald Trump on the one hand and the forces of Mitch McConnell, the Republican Senate leader on the other hand, are arrayed against each other in mortal combat in a series of battles throughout the country. Mm. What you're watching is not a primary for the Senate not even a primary for control of the Senate. Republicans are going to control the Senate. But which faction of Republicans control the Senate? 
Is it Mitch McConnell's Senate or is it Donald Trump's Senate? And that's the fight that's going on. So in Indiana, in, in, um, in Ohio, for example, when Vance came along to the Hillbilly Elegy author and, uh, and ran in that primary, he was the candidate of Donald Trump. Trump liked him. He was independent. He wasn't political. And he really figured he could, could move him and be effective with him. But Mitch McConnell was determined to back uh, Mandel, the long-term, long-time politician in Ohio, who had run for governor several times. Uh, I don't know if he actually made it to the ballot, but he flirted with it, talked about it, um, once came to my house and asked me for advice. And uh, he was the state treasurer for a long time, and he's a party regular in Ohio. And McConnell wanted him in the Senate. And Trump knew the seat was going to go Republican anyway. Ohio's a Republican state and now. And he knew that the Republicans were going to win. But the question was, which Republican would be a McConnell Republican or a Trump Republican? And that's the fight that went on. That's the battle that was waged. All the money that uh, Mandel had came from PACs and the Club for Growth and the uh, leadership, leadership packs of McConnell that were designed to aggregate money to help people who are not well-known get well-known and get elected to be McConnell stooges in the majority. Uh, McConnell waded deep into these races and used his power as Senate Majority Leader to fund his allies and punish his enemies. And Trump got in on the other side with all four feet and worked, is working really hard to control the outcome of these primaries. In Pennsylvania, where he was last week, uh, the, the it's especially complicated because the candidate that Trump is supporting, Dr. Oz, uh, is, uh, is an independent, the same model Trump loves, someone who wasn't in politics, made it in life, success at something else, and then came into politics so that they have that wisdom and that perspective. Uh, like Trump does, but as opposed to one of these people that basically goes from branch to branch to branch like an animal. Uh, stamped, store-bought. Yeah, well, but it goes from job to job to job. Mm. The career ladder becomes uh, becomes an escalator for them. Mm. And, he, and he supported people who've done stuff on their own. But uh, McCormick, who is running as a checkbook running for office, he's basically just a very rich guy, a hedge fund guy, who's buying his way in, uh, is McConnell's candidate. McConnell is pushing him because he's a, a malleable checkbook mm. and will do whatever McConnell wants him to do. Now, the issue that's emerged here is that Dr. Oz, uh, who's Turkish, uh, served in the Turkish army and voted in a Turkish election about four years ago. Nobody says why that vote was important. It was a courageous thing for Oz to do. Turkey has always been the epicenter of Muslim extremism, Islamism throughout the world. Uh, it was the Ottoman Empire, the seat of, mm. of, of, of Muslim power, and uh, it became, was, and it dominated the Muslim world until the early 20th century. Then about 1920, 25, 30, Kemal Ataturk, a nationalist leader in Turkey, overthrew the Ottoman Empire and overthrew this whole 
corrupt system of, uh, of, of inherited selection and inbred corruption and demanded a secular government, a government which, while the people may be Muslim, was not controlled by Muslim law. And uh, he insisted that that be the case, and he insisted that the military abide by that and not try to replace the elected democratic leadership. And uh, Ataturk was great, and he led to this wonderful renaissance of Turkey. And Turkey continued as a secular bastion against Iran and the other Islamic crazies in the Middle East. But because Turkey is more powerful than Iran, and they could have, they stopped that. But then uh, the uh, Turkish voters turned on the secular model and embraced Islamism and went with Erdogan, the president now of Turkey. And uh, <clears throat> he uh, turned the clock back. He made everything sec- religious again. He uh, made it all a theocracy again and made Turkey look a lot like Iran. And uh, Oz, to his credit, uh, returned to Turkey to vote in the election to try to stop the Islamization of Turkey. Uh-huh. So it was a good vote. It was an important vote and a courageous one for him. Even though he knew that he might be running in the U.S., he felt that this was more important than his political ambition. And uh, bless him for doing that. And as usual, no good deed goes unpunished. Mm. But look, we've got a Senate race now between a guy named McCormick and Oz. McCormick is totally in the pocket of China. Uh, McCormick is, is a complete Manchurian candidate, a complete pawn of the Chinese. His entire business empire is based in China. All of his business deals were Chinese, and he could no longer, no more exist as a capitalist entity without Chinese backing. Uh, and in the Senate, he'll be a puppet for China, not just for McConnell, but for China. So it is possible that Oz is a little too pro-Turkish, but I'd rather have someone who's pro-Turkish than someone who's completely owned by the Chinese. But that's not the fight that's going on now. It's Oz against uh, against McCormick, but it's really McConnell against Trump. And what makes this even worse in Pennsylvania is the guy behind McConnell and behind McCormick is Senator Pat Toomey, T-O-M-E-Y, who is the senator from Pennsylvania, who is the world's greatest ingrate. Toomey, who was elected as a conservative and re-elected on Trump's coattail, completely turned on Trump and voted to impeach him in that phony uh, January 6th impeachment charade. Mm. And uh, and now he's trying to control the Pennsylvania Republican Party. So on the ballot is Oz, is Oz versus McCormick. But in fact, it's McConnell versus Trump, and in reality, Toomey against Trump. What a great insight, Dick. And, and, this is amazing. And everybody's going to vote in the election. Nobody knows what the hell they're voting for or against, because wow. nobody on either side of the fence will tell the truth. Everybody talks about how great their candidate is and how bad the other candidate is, but they don't explain the real thing, which is who is going to run the U.S. Senate. And that's why all of these primaries are going on. That's why Trump is so involved in endorsing in these primaries. You notice very rarely is there a governor's primary where he gets involved because he's not that interested in governor. He wants to control the Senate and wants to stop uh, wants to stop McCullough uh, from McConnell from controlling the Senate. Uh, 
And that's what's really the issue in this election. Uh, I love doing this show because I can tell the truth and I can point stuff up that, that other commentators are bypassing. The insight is yeah. amazing. But when you look at these candidates, candidacies, what they're really saying to their political leaders is... Now, this is all coming out pretty well for Donald Trump. Uh, in the last uh, few months, uh, his lead over Biden in hypothetical head-to-heads has swelled to an enormous level. Uh, in the latest Rasmussen poll, he is now 14 points ahead of Biden if the election were held today. And that's that's a gain that has been very gradual in coming. Biden's ratings were crashing. Everybody saw that. But he was still running about even with Trump in head-to-head. And then after a month or so of Biden's ratings cratering, uh, Trump began to catch up in the head-to-head. I remember at one point he was four or five behind, and we really heralded that as a great success. And I was writing memos about how we can translate Biden's negatives into Trump positives to close the gap between the two of them in the vote. Well, there ain't no gap now. Uh, Biden's done the work for us. And his manifest incompetence, his total inability to be president, his total inability to lead as the global crisis deepens, uh, is becoming more and more apparent. Um, and, and you know, you're stuck with what you got in Joe Biden. I'm a loser. Comfortably numb loser. On the other hand, Mr. (laughs) Trump is on a roll. We're having fun, right? We gotta have fun. Now we're not gonna have the ultimate fun of watching this happen because Biden will be long gone from the presidential race when Trump uh, confronts him. I really believe that. That's yeah, good. I'm so glad to hear that. You know, sometimes they say you need to hire a new consultant or a new pollster or a new image guy. In Biden's case. You need a new taxidermist. <laughs> you know, the way they stuff a moose yeah, yeah. to make it look alive when it's on the wall, but it's a dead moose. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, what you, that's what we're dealing with here. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at Priority 
PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's PriorityGoldGuide.com. Talk Radio 77. WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. For some people, Sunday, Mother's Day means call mom. In my case, it means take a call from Judith, <laughs> who is on my show pretty much every week. And my Sunday would not be complete without speaking to Judith in Brooklyn. Hi, Judith. How are you doing, kid? Hi. Thank you so much. I want to tell you something. Talk about Biden and Trump. One of the biggest differences between Trump and Biden is, you're ready? They're both from MAGA. Trump is make, a great, make America great, and Biden is make America grounded, you know? Yeah, There's okay. a difference between yeah. the two. And talk about, talk about great. Talk about great, uh, Dick. You explain things with such clarity. It's just unbelievable. It's really precious. And by the way, do I detect a cold? Do I detect yeah, a slight cold? Yeah, you do. You do. See that? Yep. See that? Uh oh. You do. Oh, mom, you gotta drink a lot mom. of tea. <laughs> yeah, you gotta drink a lot of tea. Yep. Gotta drink a lot of tea. Gotta drink, uh, listen, I hope you feel good. Good. Um, so I'm calling. I'm calling because first of all, this whole issue should be left to the Supreme Court to decide. Thank you very much. And also, while we're at it, you're talking about infanticide. Well. Dr. Frankenstein, the Democratic governor from Virginia, I forgot his name. He's the one that pushed for infanticide. Everyone should know this Democratic. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's he's a doctor of all people. And the other and the other guy and the other guy, Tim Ryan of Ohio. He's the one that is uh, arguing for late semester abortions and both Democrats. So it's really sick. But, you know, here's it is. So, listen, I want to ask you a question. 2,000 Mules just came out, uh, Dinesh D'Souza's movie. I did not see it, but I hear it is very compelling. I heard the trailer, and if it's anything like the trailer, it's probably so compelling and so damning to the legitimacy of Biden's presidency. Yeah. presidency I, I, have, I, have I have seen so, it, Judith, and it's, it's even better than you describe. Uh, it really explains in chapter and verse how this election was stolen, and it documents it, it shows it, uh, it's it's the kind of film that uh, that that should make history because it's uh, it, it's an amazing portrait of the most outrageous, terrible, vicious felony in our country's history. And by the way, you can get a copy of it by um, emailing two thousand mules dot com, and uh, it's two thousand mules two comma zero 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 mules m u l e s dot com. But go ahead, Judith. Okay. So I'm wondering, sometimes I think to myself, nothing is coincidental. I, I, you know, when it comes to these diabolical Democrats, I wouldn't put anything past them. So, uh, you know, timing is everything. I'm wondering if this quote-unquote leak was activated at the same time as this movie came out to, like, overshadow and distract Mm -hmm. proof of stealing Mm -hmm. of an election, Mm -hmm. knowing that, one minute, knowing this abortion issue is such a huge hot-button issue that would whitewash all of the failed policies that Biden and his administration is guilty of. And, uh, and knowing that this is going to rally everyone and completely, you know, you know, completely obliterate this whole movie, which is very, uh, which, which which would be a very big pity. It would really be not right. Well, I I think your points are well made, but we can make sure that the movie shines through by buying it and circulating it and getting your friends to buy it 
and, and watching it organize house parties at your home to watch it yeah, really make friends. it really make it a thing. It, it's well worth doing. I want to say this about abortion, though. At some point, with the left saying the rights of women are being trampled, and the right saying the rights of the right to life is being trampled, let's stay with the one fundamental fact here: ninety-three percent of all abortions would be unaffected by this ruling. They are legal now, and they would continue to be legal because they're within the first 15 weeks of pregnancy, 95%. And uh, of the remaining 6%, uh, 7%, as long as you have the abortion within the first 15 weeks, you're okay. So if you're late on your period, take it seriously. Uh, Get tested. Uh, be sure that, and so that you don't find yourself in a position where you want to terminate the pregnancy and you can't. It's not too much to ask people to do that, and that's really all this boils down to. Well, thank you, Judith. Thank I love you, your call. I love thank your you. phone calls. Now, we have a new boss at the station and at Newsmax and at Fox and at all of the conservative media. Her name is Nina Jackowitz, and she is the disinformation czar. Uh, she's the one who is in charge of telling us what's happening and what's fictitious. Now, the idea of a disinformation czar made a little bit of sense, not a hell of a lot, hmm. when COVID was raging and you needed to be able to stop people from spreading falsehoods about the vaccine so that people wouldn't, people would get the vaccine and they're not dying in thousands. And uh, they made sense to attempt to halt erroneous and irresponsible information and people trying to profiteer off that information. But that was a very limited window in a very limited situation that clearly is not part of the ongoing part of a democracy. It is not the government's job to tell us what's right and what's wrong, what's true and what's not. And the idea that disinformation czar is absolutely terrifying. You must leave now, take what you need, you think will last. But whatever you wish to keep, you better grab it fast. He understands your orphan with his gun Crying like a fire in the sun Look out, the saints are coming through And it's all over now, baby blue Let's just leave it up to ourselves to decide what's true and what's not and live our lives here with pluralistic ideas and see what's happening. If we're going to have a disinformation czar, who the hell are the Democrats to be that? And they're the people that completely sold the total lie that there was collusion between Trump and Russia and it dominated American politics for two years. It almost ate up an entire presidency. It almost led to the removal and impeachment of a president. Uh, it, it's a scandal of, 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 of made out of absolutely nothing. And the more we explored it, the more we saw it was nothing. 
And it wasn't just exaggeration by the media. It was a deliberate attempt by the Democrats and Hillary to peddle a complete lie and have it take over the truth. Uh, remember the facts of this. She and her campaign hired a guy named Christopher Steele mm. to go around and investigate rumors of collusion. And they really weren't rumors, but they planted them and they investigated their own rumors. And there were all kinds of stories about Trump with hookers in, in Moscow and yeah. stuff that, uh -huh. that was real fodder for the tabloids. And they and the Senate was all up in arms about investigating this. Useful idiots. And it turned out that while these stories were being made up out of whole cloth fantasy, they would then be planted with the media by this disinformation operation run by Mark Elias, of a, a lawyer out of Cleveland, I believe, who worked for Clinton. And the whole idea was to plant this, these lies, plant this disinformation, then get it into the newspapers, then have the newspapers write about it again and again and keep emphasizing it. And whenever anyone published the truth, it was totally dismissed, completely overlooked. Disinformation. And never covered. And uh, it was designed, a systematically designed plot, not just to defeat Donald Trump for president, but to throw him out as president. In fact, the head of the disinformation effort, uh, Peter Izog, I think is his name, in the Justice Department said, this is our insurance policy right. in the event Trump wins. Will somebody go to jail for this? They will, but nobody has, and they may, but who knows. Uh, but it, it was such a horrible, horrible miscarriage of justice. And now these are the folks who are going to set themselves up as the disinformation czars. Uh, terrible to do that. Terrible to even think about doing that. And while we're looking at that, we have information that's just come to light, which is that the CDC purchased for about $400,000 <clears> phone records on 20 million American citizens with a view toward monitoring their compliance with COVID restrictions. Uh, did they go to school uh, when they shouldn't? Uh, did they uh, have parties when they shouldn't? Uh, did they uh, really? quarantine effectively? Did they uh, report their contacts? And the idea was to snoop into the lives of 20 million people and follow them uh, to be sure that they were complicit with government COVID guidelines. God. Now, let's remember that the Johns Hopkins study, which was the definitive one here, monitored the entire process of COVID resistance. And it said that it made not the slightest bit of difference whether we obeyed the lockdown rules or not. None. When you look back at it statistically and you analyzed who died and who got sick and where they lived and all of that, it made no difference at all if they wore masks, if they were locked down, if they went to work, if they went to school. And our compliance with these standards that were totally arbitrary, completely wrong, and proven to be incorrect and arbitrary, and now we're going to be monitored on our compliance with these standards? Unbelievable. <clears throat> it, is, it is terrifying to see that happen. Police state. Absolutely. Every you 
77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. So I'd like to go to Ruth now from Manhattan, who has some interesting thoughts about birth control, I think. Yes, I was just thinking that the liberals who are uh, pushing birth uh, abortion will never need an abortion because they use birth control, which is safe, efficient and effective. Now, why don't why don't we hear more from them about get birth control? Yeah. Instead of just constantly abortion, abortion, abortion. Abortion has a lot to do with social factors, which don't come up much. But also, birth control is the way to go. And that's what any anybody who is informed will do. And and not only that, but if you're going to do abortion, uh, do it medically, not surgically. Uh, Take the morning after pill, Um, a much safer, much more reasonable way of doing it. And, uh, and, and I think that absolutely. But the point is that this entire debate about abortion is based on people not using birth control. So it's a voluntary situation. Mm. But further, that if you're going to be allowed to have an abortion within 15 weeks, to get pregnant, to have a child, be forced to have a child, you have to, number one, have sex without protection. Number two... Uh, not recognize when you're missing your period for the first three months or four months of the, of the pregnancy, and and finally, uh, when you when you haven't had that, uh, you've got you're not going you're not going to try to go to another state in which it's legal. Uh, you're just going to uh, you're just going to have the abortion or not be able to. Um, this is entirely a voluntary situation that people are putting themselves in, and the left doesn't recognize that. They don't care. To them, this is an affliction. It's an issue, and that's what they want to use. They want to use it to run on it. Let's go to Mary in the East Village. Hey, Mary. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Mr. Morris, you're a genius. Thank you. You left one little thing out when you brought up the issue of... uh, of uh, abortion leading towards uh, depopulation, I think, was what you were referring to. But one of the things that I see is that the Obama-appointed uh, Rahm Emanuel, who appointed his brother Ezekiel Emanuel, and he's the guy that made the comment, seniors should get health care based on their lifespan and their usefulness. Right. So, so. Yes. That is euthanasia. Yes, yes, yes Absolutely. Yes, yes. And yes. I think that needs to be screamed over the airwaves yes, because it, people miss that. It does. Let's scream it, Mary. This is euthanasia. It is. This is the government trying to hedge its bets mm-hmm. on Medicare and Medicaid, cut its expenses, and go killing people wow. who otherwise could and should live. And uh, it's a... Almost like bean counters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Precisely. And why do why are we surprised? Why are we surprised that the government chooses this as the area to save money in? But you know, scientists always, doctors always say that the that the uh, something like half of all medical expenditures are in the last year of a patient's life, 
and and that's fine because in many cases it, the year goes on, and uh, and it's we're grateful that it does go on. But the opportunity to prematurely end a life with euthanasia is so tempting to the bureaucrats that they uh, that they almost enshrined it in Obamacare. There was in the original Obamacare bill a board that would basically rule on whether you're entitled to medical care or whether you should be left to die and was supposed to take into account the period of probable usefulness, the number that's their phrase, the number of years of productive employment you could have. And that was a cost benefit to be weighed against the cost of keeping you alive. But look into early on in the guy's life or the woman's life when they really were productive. Think about yeah. that. You know, they forget about the last year or the last couple of years. Yeah, but the point is that uh, everybody has a right to life. Yeah. And you can't go playing God with that. And uh, abortion is, to a great extent, playing God. And you carry that over into uh, medical care, and the same principles apply. Deformed, but they apply. And bless you for reminding me of that. Right. That is so great. Now, um, Monday is VE Day, Victory in Europe Day. Uh, Russia calls it Victory Day, the day that Nazi Germany surrendered and uh, the Soviet Union and the Western Allies won World War II in Europe. <clears throat> the Russians always hold a extravaganza victory parade with the latest rockets and missiles and the Red Army marching in unison, goose-stepping uh, down the streets of Moscow, and it's quite an impressive display. Except now we're realizing as we watch it that these were clay pigeons. <laughs> this is not an army to be afraid of. Not well-read. This is, <laughs> this is uh, the gang that couldn't shoot straight. Uh <laughs> We're looking here at, at an army that is totally incompetent, completely ineffective, and uh, can't get itself out of a paper bag, can't get out of its own way. The only question we're wondering is, are they so incompetent and so terrible that they force Putin into really drastic action like nuclear weapons because <clears throat> otherwise he's completely impotent? I mean, look at Russia. It has no economy to speak of. It's an oil well and a gas well. Uh, two-thirds of their exports have, are oil and gas. It's, it's in the same category as Kuwait and Saudi Arabia. Huh. And, uh, and, and the marvelous, incredibly well-informed and educated uh, cadre of young people that the Soviet Union left in its wake has been completely dissipated, most of them brain-drained out to the, to the U.S. and to the West. And, uh, and what's left is the shell of a country. And uh, so it has no economy to speak of. You know, Russia has a population of 150 million people. U.S. has a population of 330 million people. The U.S. GDP, the size of the U.S. economy, is about $23 trillion. The size of the Russian economy is one and a third trillion dollars. And the only reason it's that high is that oil prices are high. And uh, they've completely screwed up this country. And uh, and what they're trying to do now, bail it out uh, of, being, of the embarrassment of being defeated by Ukraine. Uh, and this isn't like the U.S. being defeated by Vietnam. First of all, we, first of all, we weren't. Uh, but secondly, this is not at all a guerrilla warfare situation. It's just straight-on tank-on-tank, plane-on-plane combat 
with one hand tied behind the back of Ukraine, and yet they managed to defeat the Russians. And uh, they, they, as the troops parade proudly through Moscow, everybody has to be asking themselves the fundamental question, which is, is the emperor wearing any clothes here? And the one of the major developments of our time, of this period in world history, is the denouement of Soviet military power. That this has become a myth that hypnotized the entire planet for a hundred years, basically because of the heroic and amazing performance of the Red Army in World War II. But no more. This is not an army that believes in itself. This is not a country that has a raison d'etre. This is a country that's essentially uh, a dictatorship writ large, uh, attempting to become a cause and attempting to attach some meaning to it. So we watch the VE Day Parade. We watch the Victory Parade. And to some extent, we can't stop giggling. Hmm. <laughs> Let's let's go to um, Michael in New Brunswick. Yes, hi, Mr. Morris. Hi. Yeah, I I just have I it's like I have tears in my eyes. America was such a great country, and now they're ruining it, and and I'm watching them ruin it, and I I feel so helpless. I I, I just to, to don't shouldn't we have politicians fired? We, the people, be able to fire yeah. any politician at any time? No, no, but Mr. we can knock them out of office when their term comes. Yeah. And we're planning to do that. I guess you heard my story early in the show. Trump has a 14-point lead over Biden at this point. Biden is on the verge of losing the Hispanic vote, the women vote, uh, the uh, and, and not doing well in the black vote. He's losing the millennial vote, which was the key to his political base. We can get rid of him, and we certainly are about to. Uh, so don't cry. Just just, just go vote. Uh, and let's go to uh, John in Ridgefield. Hey, John. Oh, hey, good morning, Dick. Uh, just a quick uh, thought about men's reproductive rights. Back in the day with uh, feminism uh, advocating for abortion, one of the things that they uh, wanted or what they said was, no one will determine when I'm going to be a parent, when I'm going to reproduce. Then they turn around and, in effect, men have no reproductive rights now because a man cannot stop a woman from having an abortion, cannot force her to have a baby. If she has the baby, then he can get sued for it. And I think it's just complete hypocrisy. You well, know, they said, no. it's, it's a hypocrisy God gave us because he assigned the role to the various genders and this is just our misfortune guy, and he got to lump it. But wow. um, interesting. Fundamentally, there ain't nothing we can do about it. Right. So <clears throat> we're coming to the end of this show, but I have a proposition for all of you. Do you ever dream of me? I'm a So let's spend the night together, folks. Um, you don't have to spend all night with me, although it'd be fun. Uh, because, uh, but on tomorrow, on Monday, I'm going to be back with Doug at the exact same time, noon until one, and I'll be here Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and all Thursday week. and Friday, all week. 
We're trying an experiment and seeing if we can take this show to a daily show, which is a promotion and is something I'm thrilled about. And uh, you'll get more of same on Monday and uh, more of the same music and the same stuff, uh, but not the same analysis because that changes every couple of minutes here. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. On the way to the studio. That's right. What do we do? Oh, I don't know. It does. It does. And I think this should, you should, we should do that Dick Morris challenge where people call in and they yeah. try to debate you and, you know, change your mind. Yeah. That was really interesting. That's good. I enjoyed that. that I enjoyed great. that. Well, thank you, folks, and thank you for being my listeners and bringing me this long, and we look forward to you continuing to help us move. So Call in tomorrow. Let's spend the night together. <laughs> This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.